Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Heat Nation, welcome into Believe in Miami Heat for another week. Joey Levin back with you as always, and as always, joined by the two time NBA champion. This time joining us on a road trip. He's in Lithuania getting ready to play tomorrow. But the grind never stops for Norris Cole. Norris, what's up, dude? What's going on? Like you said, the grind never stops. The grind never. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're and what a what a time. And last week was a was a, a great time to be talking about the Heat. But we're rolling now. We're rolling now. Heading to the All Star break just the way you want to. Exactly. Exactly. Six game win streak. Hottest team in the NBA right now. Defense playing at a championship level. A lot of good things going on in Heat Nation right now. Starting to really look like the Miami Heat that we are hoping to see this year. Absolutely. We're back to 500. Yep. Which is always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And with the way the Eastern Conference is this year, and we'll talk about it, this is this is open. what yeah, it's, it's open for the tape. Back in the fifth seed right now and the, and – the only team ahead of you, I mean, th- there's three teams ahead of you that are real, and then there's the Knicks, and we don't really know how real the Knicks are, so we, we'll see, right? The Knicks yeah. are playing They'll good, but playing it anyway, so right, exactly. Matter of um, fact, from the four from the four all the way to the tenth seed, there's only one game, two games. I know it's crazy, it's wild, it's wild, yeah. and and who knows? And now we got there's there, so we're gonna go through this this win streak that the Heat are on, how they're playing, their last guys who've stepped up over the last couple games. There is some news that we should hit. Lloyd Pierce got fired today, one day after the Heat beat the Hawks. Head coach of the Hawks fired. So we we can hit that real quick at the end because I want to get your take on how that went down. Uh, Victor Oladipo turned down a two-year, forty-five million dollar deal. That's an interesting one, and that that's a that's a guy. If he doesn't want to be in Houston, the time might be now to strike on a deal because you might be able to get him for some value there. But we'll talk about that later on. Um, but first, let, let's we'll talk about – I met, bring them up every week, betonline.ag, friends of the show, friends of the program. Uh, football, they keep saying football might be over, and I keep having to fix it because, hey, football's not over. There's still football to watch. But NBA, college basketball, it's March Madness. And the NHL are in full swing. The only place you should be betting on sport on all these sports, betonline.ag, like I said, March Madness. We're not far away. That's all I'm, that's all I'm going to bet on this month. I'm not going to bet on NBA games. I'm not going to bet on random stuff. I'm, I'm sticking with brackets and picks. Bet online will have everything. They even cover award shows, TV shows, reality TV. I don't know. People might have been betting on the award. I don't even remember what the award show was last night, but I know there was one, and I saw people were betting on it. And if you bet on Sasha Baron, Cor- Sasha Baron Cor- Cohen and Borat, you probably won a lot of money because I think he won a bunch of awards. Um <laughs> They got hundreds of props with real-time odds, almost anything you can imagine. Of course, the 24-hour online casino. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook expert. So look, like I said, six-game win streak, longest active streak in the NBA, back to 500 in the East. Uh, Just playing, uh, it's, it's interesting because last week, or 
So during the road trip, even when the Heat weren't playing great, Eric Spolstra said he thought they were playing their best basketball of the season. And people were like, really? You think so? And mm-hmm. coach, coach obviously saw something that was coming from this team because it's not even close right now. They're playing their best basketball of the season. Six in a row, I think 10 of their last 13, hottest yep. team in the NBA. What's that? I said they're seven and three in their last 10. Yep. So just rolling right now. I mean, obviously the defense is a big thing, but what, what, what do you think is the, what are the biggest things that you're seeing that sort of play into this, this run that the Heat are on right now? Well, one thing I don't want to be overlooked is the job Eric Spostra is doing. <laughs> He's doing a, a terrific job by just staying the course. He, him, He's one of the few coaches. Well, all the good coaches are like this, but he's one of the few coaches that are, that's not up and down. He's not emotional. You know, emotions run high, go low, but he's even kills. Just stay with the process. Put your hard hat on. Come to work every day. Keep hitting that rock. Keep hitting that rock. And when you strike it right, water's going to flow. Mm-hmm. And right now, we're seeing it flow right now. You know, they, they stay with the process. They stay with their habits, championship habits, because he's a championship coach. And right now, you know, it's the due diligence it's, it's coming forth, the fruits of their labor. And so, you know, their offense is, you know, starting to starting to click a lot better. Uh, I think the players are getting healthier. You know, they're, they're, they're being more productive. You can just tell by the energy level in which they play. Like if you watch the game with your eyes, you can see that they're playing at a different, you know, sort of pace, not so much faster, but you can see the energy level in their in the conviction in their game. You know, obviously their defense, you know, they held the Hawks, you know, 99 points, held the Lakers to, you know, under a hundred, you know, they're keeping, keeping these scores nice and low, which is, like I said, it's not easy to do in the NBA. Yeah. Well, to your point on that, cause you, you mentioned that last week and now after last night's game, we're recording this on Monday night because Norris is, the grind never stops. He's got a, he's, he's on a, he's on a, I don't know what, I don't know what, what kind of road trip you'd call this out there, but I was going to say West coast road swing, but I don't know what you call this out there for you, but um, they in February, six wins holding opponents under a hundred points, the most in the See, NBA. That's elite defense. That's un that's absurd. Now Phoenix did it too, which is interesting that two teams did it in the same month, but, and I, and I would say Phoenix is one of the best teams in the West right now, the way they're playing. So you're playing at an elite level that yes, elite defense is, I don't, it's an understatement. It's just, that's championship defense right there. Yeah. Cause that's unheard of the way these scores are. If you think about what the average NBA game score is, it's well over a hundred points. So. Yep. And it's, it's not, big- and not bad teams. Like you mentioned the Lakers, obviously the Hawks not having a great year, just mentioned that they fired their coach, but, uh, it, to the point of not just their defense, but Coach Spo, it's not the same thing every night either. It, against the Hawks, Jimmy Butler doesn't play, so you have to adjust there. And then if you right. watch that game, Trey Young was a non-factor in the game. Trey Young, a guy averaging upwards of twenty-five points and nine assists on the year, they tr- from the start of the game, it was a concerted effort. Do not get the ball out of his hands. Their whole offense when Trey Young plays is pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. And they blitzed him on every pick and roll. They trapped him. And they made him get the ball out of his hands. I think he only took like three shots in the first half. And two of them were absurd threes at the end that he just made towards the end. I think he had six points in the first half, something like that. 
it, it was incredible, incredible the way they defended. And then switching periodically throughout the game to the zone, which looked incredible last night too. They're second in the NBA in most zone possessions per game, which is when you're shorthanded, when you need a, a little bit of a rest, but also when you're just good at it and knowing the right times to do it, it, it looked the, the way they were going in and out of their defense schemes last night was um, like masterclass without your best defensive wing player, at least. That's the Eric Spolster effect, man. It's <laughs> crazy. You gotta, you gotta give the man credit where credit is due, man. That's the Eric Spolster, you know, that's the Eric Spolster way of doing things, man. He's gonna figure it out. Mm-hmm. But we also got credit to, you know, Bam out of Bayou, who's been that solid rock. You know, like you said, Jimmy was out, but Jimmy has been playing very, very, very well in, the, in, the, in this win streak. But Bam Adebayo has been the rock, the solid rock of the team. And Kendrick Nunn, man, he took, gonna... he took on the challenge of Trey Young. He took the challenge. Absolutely. He's been taking the challenge in this, this you know, the last 10 games. He's been playing extremely, extremely well. Yeah, well, he was the hashtag cold-blooded player of the week last week. We'll see maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll see at the end of the show. Maybe he got it again. He's been playing good, but we'll see. Not yet. We're not going to say it. <laughs> You know what's actually stuck out to me about Kendrick? Uh, it, it, it'll go, I mean, a few things. Guys just playing great basketball. But it seems right. to be evolving as a distributor as well. He had a career-high nine assists a few games ago. Then he had seven. And then last night against the Hawks, he had seven. Uh, that that part of his game, if he can yeah. develop that, I mean, he, that's a legit – the way he's able to get off, get off scoring the ball. And his confidence level scoring the ball, if he adds the distributor to it, he's a dangerous player. He's very dangerous. But I think one of the reasons why his assists have gone up, um, Drag is just back in the lineup. Andre Godala is back in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Playing well. Andre Iggy has been playing well also the last, you know, few games. Uh, I think that helps a lot when you have familiar faces, you know, back in, in the lineup. Hero came back. You know, having that kid, hero, yep, hero came back. You know that familiarity, you know, is there. And plus, mm-hmm. teams, you know, he's on a scout report now, so teams are gonna kind of, kind of force him to, you know, be able to make the reads because, you know, he'll torch you. He's proven that if he get it going, he can torch you. So, yeah. so I think his, his 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 maturation as a as a young point guard is he's just showing that maturation process right before our very eyes. Yeah, and I think, you know, you mentioned the offense getting better. And, you know, you look at the stats, and the stats, we obviously, we know stats can't don't always tell the story, right? Because you can make stats. So they're still middle of the pack in offensive efficiency over this stretch. But I think the thing that really stuck out to me, yet, especially yesterday without Jimmy, is this team has kind of evolved. Yeah, obviously, the defense is carrying them, but offensively, They've gone from a team that in crunch time has no clue what they want to do because no one wants to take the shot to now right. you're kind of confident with probably four or five guys going, taking that shot. Kendrick Nunn has proven to be clutch for this team. Like you want him on the floor at the end of games. Tyler Hero was hitting some big right. shots last night. Goran Dragic is obviously doing what he does. And then when Jimmy comes back, he's great at end of games. Now you just have so many options. It's, it's a nice place to be from where they were at the beginning there where it seemed like, we didn't know what they didn't know what to do at the end of games. They're just constantly trying to figure it out. And Jimmy, you know how he is. Sometimes he wants he's tentative, but everybody seems to be falling into their roles a little more. I'm about to say people are just falling into their roles and they're accepting their roles. And everyone knows, you know, Jimmy is the closer. 
you know, but that doesn't mean he has to be the closer every single night. This is a long season that you're talking about. And so that's why this is a team game. And so even though we know in the biggest of biggest moments, most times it's going to be Jimmy. But the fact that you have other guys, other options that you can go to, especially in the regular season, kind of saves Jimmy to where he doesn't have to, you know, be Superman as often. That's the beautiful thing about, you know, having a complete team. Right. Yeah. And actually, I was going to say, like with Jimmy, now he whatever this injury is, it's obviously not a major injury, but it was enough that they felt like he was stiff. He went through shoot around. They didn't want to play him. They have two games mm-hmm. left, two games left before the all-star break. Having won six in a row, now knowing like we're getting into this vibe, things are I'd probably wouldn't you probably I mean, unless he's just feels 100 percent. If he's not 100 percent in these last two games before the all-star break, you probably just let him go. They just beat the Hawks without him. Right. Uh, the Pelicans are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. I'd probably, I'd probably rest him and let him get a long break. I, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I guess it could go either way. Cause last time he had a long break, it took him a while to get back into the groove too. Man, health is everything. And they're within striking distance. It's not like they're way out of striking distance. And so I would rest him if it was me, because what they're within one game, or two four. games, four, you know, and all all of those contenders in the East are all within one or two games. So I don't think him resting for two games is going to take him take the heat out of contention. And Absolutely. you want to be playing your best basketball and your healthiest basketball after the All Star break, because that's 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 when it's crunch time. You don't you don't want to be limping into sure. the playoff, or you don't want to be limping having to win games in order to get the seed that you want in the playoffs. You want to be healthy during those stretches, and so. If he's not ready, you know, I would I would play the conservative card, especially in a season like this year, coming off of a short offseason. Yeah. Yeah. And and now, like we met, like you mentioned, like all the other guys that are back, other than we still still Avery Bradley not healthy, but everybody Goron, I, you know, Goron's a fascinating guy to me. He just even <laughs> at his even at the age he's at, the, the some of the plays he makes on the floor are explosive. And he he just when he's healthy, it doesn't seem like he's aged a ton. He still looks like he's playing some of his best basketball. Man, he can play. He's what you call a hooper, man. <laughs> <laughs> Always he has can, been. He can just flat out hoop. I mean, you bring him anywhere, drop him anywhere on the globe, and he can play. And he and he's showing that. In the type of game that he has, he's crafty. And mm-hmm. so that athleticism and as his health is not – maybe not be the best, he's so crafty that he can get to where he needs to be and that he can draw fouls and keep you off balance so that he can get his game off. Yeah. I'll be interested to see as the season progresses when everyone's healthy. So like last year, Kendrick Nunn started a lot of the year. And then when he went into his slump and in the playoffs, Goron sort of entered the starting lineup. And then to start the season, Goron was in the starting lineup and now Kendrick's back in the starting lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. Goron started against the Hawks because Jimmy was out. But I think if Jimmy was there, Goron would have come off the bench. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how that plays out uh, as they get further down into the season. Is, does Kendrick continue to start games? Goron finishes the way Kendrick's playing. Does he become your closer? Like it, it, it'll be interesting to see how Spo works that out. Cause you still have Tyler and, and, and Duncan, all these guys that now you're now you're deeper than you were and then Avery Bradley is going to come back. It's just finding your, st- I think it's going to be a continuing process throughout this, the rest of the season, even towards the playoffs. If this roster stays the same. I'm that- about to say, I'm about to say um, 
I have a feeling that there's going to be some changes in the roster, but if it does stay as currently constructed, Spo at the end of the day, the one thing I like about Spo is he won't leave you ambiguous. He'll tell you where you stand. And so if he says he's going to make none the starter and Drag is going to come off the bench, guess what they're going to do? The heat culture says you accept your role and you star in your role. And if you can't do that, you won't be there long. And so I believe as long as they're winning, as long as they're productive, Spo will end up making the call. It's his job to make that final call. And whoever's on the team is going to go with it. And yeah. Drag is a pro. He's a vet. I mean, he's a he's a bet. He's made his money. He's trying to win. So if he has to start, he'll start. If he comes off the bench, he just come off the bench. Yeah, he, Kendrick he, Nunn, however, he has to stay mentally locked in. You know, it's great that he's starting, but if he does have to come off the bench, which I don't think he will, but if he does, he has to continue to stay aggressive and stay focused and not let it get to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I will, yeah, I, I'm, I'll be interested. I want to get into that the roster may be different in a, in a second, but you know what? I also was thinking about watching this team yesterday. You know, this just as well as anybody having been to two champ been on two championship teams. There's so much luck involved in making a championship run. Health got to have a little health, health and luck. And lo- those health and luck kind of go hand in hand, right? If you stay healthy yeah. for a whole season, you're lucky. And it, it's yeah. starting to seem like as dra- as dire as things kind of were for the heat, with the coat with COVID and injuries, it almost starting to seem like maybe they lucked out because every team is sort of getting hit with some form of an issue this year. And theirs happened really early. And now time. You said timing is everything. Timing is everything, man. And everyone at some point in the season is going to go through something. It's rare that you go through a season where no team gets hit with injuries or no team gets hit with, suspensions or no team get hit with some type of adversity that rarely happens. You know, I think the Golden State Warriors, they might've did it when they had KD, but that was a cheating team. That was, that don't count. <laughs> that team don't count, but every team has to go, through, every team has to go through some sort of adversity, you know? And so when you can go through that adversity early and work your way through it, man, that's, that's called, like you said, luck and called great timing. Yeah. Because you're seeing now teams and we're about to be essentially halfway through the season with a 72 game season Look at the Lakers. I mean, now we don't know. I mean, we don't know how bad the AD thing is. Schroeder came back. They're playing better now. But without Schroeder and AD, they were bad. They lost four in a row. They did not look good. And it's just – it's, it's happening to everybody. Look at the Wizards, too. They're playing much better. They were totally injury hit, hit with injuries. So, I, I love – I think it's – yeah, I think obviously, like you did last time, knock on wood, that it stays that way. But right. it looks like they got a little lucky that – in a year where every team seems to be getting hit with some either injury problem or COVID problem, they there's happened a little bit earlier than others. The way they're playing right now, I mentioned the three teams that are really above. I, I'm not going to, I'm not necessarily totally bought in on the Knicks yet, but does this team, where do you, how do you think this team as currently constructed in the way they're playing stacks up right now about halfway through the year with the Brooklyn's and the Phillies and Milwaukee. Those are the three teams really well I feel like they got Milwaukee's number until Milwaukee shows me otherwise I feel like they can beat Milwaukee but Philly and the Nets in seven games as currently constructed I don't see I just don't see that how I don't see I don't see that reason why reason being is against the Nets 
I don't see enough offense. In order to beat the next four out of seven, you have to average at least 125, 130 points to beat them. Because they're going to score that even on bad nights. Yeah. You can't can't hope for all three of them to have off nights. That's just not going to happen. And on an average night, all three of them are going 25 plus, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you're not scoring close to 125, 130 points, it's going to be hard for anybody, East or West, to play with the Nets if they're healthy. Now, Philly, the Heat may have a chance against Philly, you know. But even that, again, man, their offense with Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons finding his new niche uh, with, with Doc Rivers, you know, yeah. that's that, that's a different dynamic. But I, I feel better with the Heat against Philly than I do against the Nets. Yeah, I think with the with Philly, as good as they're all as good as they're playing, Seth Curry's still so important to them, and it's the same way JJ Redick was important to them before because they are not a good shooting team. So when Seth's playing great, that team is really hard to beat because he he just opens the floor up for everyone else. When he's not, and he has not played great recently, now it's obviously there's still a lot of time left in the year. It and it's weird when you have such when you have arguably the most dominant big man offensively in the NBA. You have a wing player who's playing incredible in Tobias Harris. And like you said, Ben Simmons stepping up that arguably one of their most important pieces on the offensive end is Seth Curry. I think defensively, I agree. It's going to be hard for anybody to stop the nets at full strength. It's hard for teams to beat, to stop the nets with just, with just Kyrie and James Harden. Yeah. But I think the Heat have enough different looks, like mention the zone. I think they could throw some zone looks at Philly. I think you could disrupt Philly enough to to beat them. But I do agree, and we'll talk about it here in a second. They're probably still there's something something's got to something's got to happen. And I and I will get be interested to get your take on it. I think it could be multiple things potentially. It could be potentially multiple things. But I'm gonna get into that in a second. Also, All Star Game is this weekend. So I wanted to ask you a question looking back on our predictions from last week in a second too. But first, I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. They're not that new anymore. They've been with us for three weeks. They're coming back. So new sponsor, not newest. Well, I guess newer than Bet Uh, Whether it's rare, dead stock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers, $100 plus making it free to sell or flip your collection. So, Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. So before we talk about moves, as we always do, because that's sort of something we get into a lot on this show and we've mentioned possibly, I want to, there's a couple all-star things that I wanted to talk about relating to the heat. So we mentioned last week, we, we discussed last week what, Actually, the day that it got announced, would Bam make the all-star team? Would Jimmy make the all-star team? Uh, who were the locks? Who weren't? You know, I, I was surprised that Nick Vucevic made it over some other guys just because 
I think there's, I think there's become sort of a double standard when it comes to how guys are getting picked, even on the coaches end, because like, for example, Nick Vucevic gets picked for great stats on a bad team. And then Chris Paul gets picked for decent stats on a great team. So it's like, there is sort of a double standard on how guys are getting picked, but here's what I want to ask you. We both sort of said, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, both got to be all-stars and they're both having great years. But now that team doesn't look very good and they are struggling. They've been struggling. Now the Heat yep. are the five seed in the in the East and don't have an all-star. Yeah, that's that's a bit strange, but I knew how I knew how it works. I knew that both of those guys were going to be in because one, Jalen Brown's having an awesome year, and Jason Tatum is considered a superstar in this league. Yep. Same thing with Ben Simmons. He's considered a superstar in this league. So they're gonna get the they're gonna get the vote just off of GP. They're, they're gonna get the vote. And so, you know, I was, I don't want to say they all deserve it. You know, I don't want to say nobody doesn't deserve it. They all deserve it. But I feel like DeMontis Sabonis should have been on there. And he's on there now because, you know, I think Katie's not going to play. So mm-hmm. he's going to get in. And Bam also should have had consideration on there. Uh, ben Simmons is having a great season as far as the two-way player is concerned. But – to me, I don't know if he's having an all-star season this season. Yeah. You know, but but being a two-way player does matter because he is probably going to – if things were to end today, he would probably be the defensive player of the year this season. So, you know, I, but I don't know if he, you know – because Tobias Harris, to me, is having a better season. That's interesting, too. I, I was thinking about that, too. Like, yeah, wait, could you, you know, give them three all-stars? Or he is having no, a great year. No, no, no. Oh, you couldn't give all three of them. That's why I'm Nets saying. Nets got three. Yeah, but the Nets have three legit superstars. James and two Harden, of them got voted in yeah. by the fans. Those are like three of some of the top 15 players in our game. So they're going to get in. Right. And so, but, I, you know, Vucevic, he's, a, you know, he's obviously having a great season. But like you said, normally the coaches reward winning. Normally. Yeah. But yeah. it's surprising that Sabonis was not voted in. Or Bam. That, that, that surprised me. Yeah, Sabonis was more surprising. Um, now, interestingly, according to some reports, Jimmy Butler, the league wanted Jimmy to be an alternate, and Jimmy <laughs> said no because he wasn't going to go if Bam didn't make it. Yeah, I, I don't really understand that either because being an all-star is an honor. <laughs> That's an right. honor in this, that you cherish. You know, Maybe Jimmy doesn't value it that much. You know Jimmy's different, but – being an all-star is something that you cherish. You know, you share that with your kids, you know, one day, you know, letting them know that as an individual, you know, I was one of the best players in, in the game. And so, you know, I wouldn't have turned it down, but I understand his sentiment, his respect for Bam. I understand that, but I think he's probably should have took that invitation. But he's also, a different- yeah, and, and look, I'm not going to question Jimmy Butler's honesty here, okay? And right. I, I'm sure that the Bam thing played into it, but I'm sure – Maybe having COVID played into it. Maybe being a little banged up played into it. Maybe not wanting to go to an all-star game that no one wants to play in played into it. May, I'm sure he really doesn't want to go because he wants Bam to be there and he thinks Bam deserves it. But I'm sure in that back part of his mind, there's a little bit there that was like, eh, it probably wouldn't be bad to have a couple of days off. For sure. And that's true. No, I, I mean, a lot of guys don't want to go anyway. Right. You know, a lot Especially this year. Yeah, and for you good see the reason. dunk contest. 
I don't get Do you see who's in the dunk contest? Did you see who's it? The, who's in it? It's only three guys. It's Obi no, Top, so. Obi Toppin. Who is who I, I knew that he's he's my favorite, actually. Yeah, he's absolute beast. Anthony Simons, who I thought was just a shooter from out in Portland, the kid in Portland who he's by the way. He's just what? in case you didn't super athletic. Okay. I, I guess I just he, maybe he just doesn't get that opportunity in games. Go look him up on YouTube. Yep. And then Cassius Stanley, who I think has played in like three games this year for the Pacers. But but when he went in, he was a one and done at Duke. And I'm pretty sure when he came into Duke, he came in the year after Zion. There were people saying that he could potentially be as athletic as Zion. He's very athletic. Yeah. Very athletic. But I got to go with Obi Top because he went to the University of Dayton, which is my hometown. That being said, out of all of that, now I love Obi Toppin. Love o- I, I thought coming out because there were so many question marks in this year's draft, just off of the you know what his skill set was and his athleticism. I look a lot around the league at guys like John Collins, who we love, and that type of he he fits that kind of mold in the NBA right now. I think he could be that kind of player. So I, I thought he got, I thought he fell far. I thought he'd be a top five pick. I'm more like. You're already putting the dunk contest at halftime. This is not going to inspire the people. Like me and you know, me and you know these guys. Hardcore fans know these guys, but this is sort of a weekend for like the dunk contest is for casual fans to get excited. And like I guess part of it is probably guys just don't want to do it this year. But shortening no, but- it to four got to three guys and and at least look, most casual fans will not know who Cassius Stanley is. It's not his yeah. fault. He just doesn't play. No, but they will, though. They will, though, because his YouTube following as an amateur, as a high schooler, I'm telling you, the kids know who he is. Uh, the, for sure, the kids know who he is. The fans, Interesting. The, the, the college fans, the the high school fans that watch the game know who he is. Okay. And they and they know Obi Toppin. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this guy's a top 10 pick. For sure. I mean, so they're going to know. And it's a spotlight. You know, this the, the dunk contest can can bring you more fans. You show off in the, the dunk contest, you can get shoot deals, you can get all type of things. Zach, I believe Zach Levine got a got a boost on his shoot deal after he won the dunk contest. Zach's there. Zach's an all-star. Get Zach in the back in the dunk contest. He doesn't want to do it. I, I don't blame him. Zach is already he he don't got nothing else to prove, man. He already won back to back dunk contest. by the way, he had one of the best dunk contests of all times. I feel like him and Aaron Gordon sort of brought it back. It, it was down for a little bit. And them two, I mean, as far as head-to-head, there hasn't oh. been head-to-head really like that since probably MJ and Dominique. Like, really yeah. head-to-head. There's been great dominant performances like Vince, Blake Griffin, even Dwight was great, and uh, Jason Richardson was great. But right. they didn't have the back and forth like those two had. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, if Obi Toppin wins a dunk contest, and the Knicks go to the playoffs this year. They might put Julius Randle and Obi Toppin's jerseys in the rafters this year. <laughs> they might do it this year. That's the most that successful. Tibbs, man. Thibodeau has done a great job, man. It's going okay. under the radar because people are. I think there's just this. There's just this sort of stigma around Tibbs that people don't love him, and he runs his players into the ground and this and that. And you're getting a lot. I, Julius, 
Julius is getting a lot of credit, which he deserves. And Leon Rose is getting a lot of credit too. But what Tibbs is doing with that roster is pretty remarkable. I asked Jimmy Butler how much he loved and appreciate Tom Thibodeau. I want well, no look. I, I coached. I coached. I pl- I worked for Steve Clifford, who was basically best friends with Thibodeau, and brought in some guys from Thibodeau's staff when he came to Charlotte. And they all told like anything you hear, like these narratives about him. And yeah, he's a tough dude. But when you win, players like playing for a tough dude because you win. Like you want to win. You want to play for a guy who who you know knows his shit like the way Thibodeau does. Well, Thibodeau, Thibodeau was one of the few coaches that believe in playing vets. Mm-hmm. You know, right. he, I mean, he, he wants to play. win. Yeah, he, he, he wants to win, and he understands that in order to win in the playoffs, you got to have veteran guys with experience. That's mm-hmm. just the bottom line. And so he's one of the few that, that's, you know, he's not all in on this playing potential all the time, which, which is why if I was a vet, you know, even though I know he's known for his practices, and things of that nature. But if I was a vet, I know that he would he would give you a legit chance to get out there and play as a veteran player. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, let's 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 get to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, which is whether this roster as currently constructed stays the same. I think we're both under agreement. Probably not. Something, whether it's big or small, something's going to happen. But when we were talking about the depth, and as I was watching them yesterday, my I was thinking – Look, the Nets are just going to be so hard to beat. The Nets are going to be so hard to beat no matter who you are because of how deep they are. And I'm looking at Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, Precious play, is playing really well. Duncan, not playing great, but we know what he's capable of. And then I hear these names out there like Kyle Lowry, John Collins, Victor Oladipo. It almost seems like you have enough pieces now that if you really wanted to go for it, like go for it, go for it, you might be able to bring in a couple piece vets, like legit established vets, and really make a run at this thing this year with a established all-star level roster. Not that these guys can't eventually be that, but it just seems like they're playing well enough right now that you might be able to move a couple pieces. Yeah, they definitely are playing well enough to where the guys' trade value is a lot higher. But I think when you talk about training in a way young assets, it has to be something that you really want. You're not going to bring in something that, oh, that's a good trade. I'm not in love with it, but it's good, and I'm going to trade away my good young assets. They don't work like that. You know, they have to really, you know, for them to give away young talent like Hero and Duncan and, you know, Kendrick Nunn, it has to be a deal that they really like, that they really feel can put them over the top, so to speak, and, you know, move in the, in the, in the right direction. And with, if, if Victor Oladipo was truly healthy, you know, you can see a move like that being made because he when he's healthy. He's better than, you know, Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn. I mean, that's just the truth. You know, he's a he's an all star level player when he's healthy. Yeah. When he, he I mean, before his knee injury, he was trending towards being one of the best two way players in the league. Absolutely. And so if he's back healthy, you know, you may you may think about that. But. I mean, these guys are so young, I mean. Tyler, he, so he's so he's so young, man. His upside is so high that you got to make sure if you're going to trade away those assets. Come here, I think he was a first round pick lottery. Yeah, Andrew yeah. Nunn, first round talent, even though he wasn't drafted in the first round, but he's a first round talent. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that it's possible, but they got to make sure they get exactly what they want. Yeah, the thing with Vic, 
is I'm so torn on Vic because I, I just like you, I know what he's capable of if he's healthy. And I don't know right now whether he's not healthy or whether he's kind of doing a little James Harden deal out there in Houston. Yeah, it, man. That same feel. Like, I don't, I just don't think he wants to be there. He got traded there. I don't think he ever wanted to be there. He was thrown in as part of this deal. The Pacers essentially gave up on him and said, we're not paying you and we're going to go get Karis LeVert. Houston has made him a nice offer and th- that offer is the most they could offer him. So that's, you know, they obviously do want him, but I just don't think he really wants to be there. And if that's the case and Houston knows that, then the advantage is in everyone else's court. Well, I don't think it's a secret that he's trying to get to Miami. Yeah. I don't think that's a secret around NBA. He wants to be in Miami. He trains in Miami in summertime, you know, a lot. So, I don't think it's a secret he wants to be in Miami. And I also believe that he he thinks he's a max player. That's the concern. Are you willing to do that? Yeah. I, you know, he believes he's a max player. And so until, until the reality of him not being a max player is shown, he's going to push for that. And so it was a generous offer to offer him $22.5 million a year. You know, that's a great offer yeah. for – most of us, but for him, he believes he's a max player. And so he's going to, you know, show that he's healthy and, and go for the max. If I was the heat, if at this point, knowing that a, that he wants to be in Miami and B that he just doesn't, doesn't seem to want to be in Houston. If I could, I would pretty much give up anything. If I, if I could get away with not giving away Tyler hero, I'd give away, I'd give them any of the other young players at a chance to see what he's got. I mean, because like you said, he wants to be a max player. So maybe he comes to Miami and all of a sudden he's all of a sudden he's healthy and he starts playing for that max money. And if you get a help of max Victor Oladipo on this team, you could win a championship with the way the rest of the roster is built. For sure. And, and, and um, I believe that if Victor comes to Miami, once he gets entrenched in the heat culture in the heat way, you know, that, that type of thing that he has going on in Houston will go away fast. Right. You know, sure. Body language to, you know, not wanting to be there. I feel like one, I feel like he'll love to be in Miami. So I believe that that wouldn't even be an issue, but if it was to be, you know, they'll humble you real fast. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough situation for all those guys. And they lost by 49 last night. That's a tough situation for that yeah. team in general. Yeah. Guys in there that wants to be there. You know, they in the rebuilding, and I hate it because they new coach, man, especially having the- that's my let me tell you. I worked with Steven, I worked with Steven for five years in Charlotte. He's one of the genuine, like nice, and he's and a great play player development guy, great coach. Yeah. He worked with Steph in Golden State. He worked with Kemba for those first five years when we were in Charlotte. He worked with Luca last year. Like he really knows his stuff. And I'm afraid that he's gonna fall yeah, into I- this trap. I, especially, you know, minority coaches, man, as a young black coach, man, I hate to see that his first job, he has to go through that, you know, but I think he'll be stronger for it if he's able to, if they, if they give him some patience, they have to be patient with what's going on right now. I got to think with the names that were out there surrounding that job, the fact that they hired him means that they're willing to be patient and they knew what they were getting into. I, mm-hmm. I got I got to hope at least because it, it wouldn't make sense to bring in this young coach who's never been a head coach and have these expectations that he's going to take this roster that just got gutted and do good. Now they can't be losing by 49, (laughs) but 
nobody can do that. That's not acceptable on any right. day of the week. But they know that it's it's one of those nights. They're they're decimated by injuries too. Uh, now back to the Vic. Thing. So taking Vic out of the equation, which would obviously be great, it still doesn't address what we know needs to happen. <laughs> go, I'm not going to stop talking about it. So, but I will say go. this: a <laughs> an insider, a Bulls insider, said that a guy that you really like, Thad Young, that if he gets moved that potential destinations would be New York and Miami. That would be a nice piece. That is. I'm just, I'm just interested to know because the bulls are playing good. They're playing playoff basketball. What are they going to want for Thaddeus young? Uh, I mean, they seem like they're trending younger. (laughs) They can seem like the bulls get younger and younger every year. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like you're not going to give up precious or Tyler hero you might not even give up Kendrick Nunn at this point, the way he's playing. I don't know. I don't know what, what type of package you can give up for, uh, for Thaddeus, but if you can get the deal done, let's, you know, let's get that deal done. <laughs> I mean, I feel like every week we're doing this, but Hey, if I'm it is, man, if we're going into the playoffs with Victor Oladipo, with, with Tyler, Goron, Vic, Jimmy, Thaddeus Young, Bam. Whew. That's a nice, but with Andre Iguodala coming off the yeah. bench. That's- well, unfortunately, I think it, with the money situation to make money met work, Andre has one of the most movable contracts because he has a 15-year – he's making $15 million and he's on the last year of his deal. But also, Kelly Olenek has a 12-year expiring. I'm and say, You got Kelly. And Myers Leonard. A, a team, yeah. Even though he's hurt if a team wants to just take him to get the money off the books, cause he has a team option next year and he's making like 10 million. Exactly. So it's ways, very creative ways that you can get that done. He'd have so much. I, I just feel like they have more than most teams right now to make some moves. And you know, Riley, he's not afraid to, he's not one of these guys who's like, Oh, we're win- We've won six in a row. I'm not going to pull the trigger. He's even more. So he's like, Oh, I see what we can be. And if he sees the right move out there, he's going to pull the trigger. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately, so let's 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 actually let's do this because I, I do want to talk about Lloyd Pierce. But how about since we're still talking about heat stuff right now, you want to do your hashtag cold blooded player of the week. And then we got we can finish with with two. We got I got two things I want to finish with, including just discussing Lloyd Pierce real quickly. But um, you want to you want to do your yeah. cold blooded player? So the cold blooded player of the week this week goes to none other than the man, the myth, the legend. Jimmy <laughs> Butler. The man was an absolute monster on these last 10 games, and specifically this last week, even missing the game against the Hawks. He's been dominant. Straight up, he's been dominant. He's back to the Jimmy Butler that we know, scoring, facilitating, defending, rebounding, being Mr. Everything out there for the Heat. And so that's why this week he's the cold-blooded Player of the week. Congratulations, Jimmy. I, I couldn't agree more. And I'll tell you what, I think Jimmy is listening to this podcast. I think he might be listening to the other podcasts I do because I've been tough on Jimmy. I've been tough yeah, on Jimmy. Very tough on Jimmy. I've been tough on Jimmy as a scorer. And all of a sudden, when he play, when he's playing, he's good dude scoring the ball. So I think maybe Jimmy's listening. Hey, keep listening, Jimmy. <laughs> keep, yeah, keep listening. Um, all right, that's cool. So Jimmy Butler, the hashtag cold-blooded player of the week. If you guys, again, if you any listeners, if you have nominations 
that you want us to consider a moment. If you want Norris to consider a player you think deserves it, maybe a moment or a game, a specific performance that deserves to be the cold-blooded player of the week, leave us a comment on Apple podcasts and we'll Norris will take it under consideration. I don't think he's going to, I think he's still going to pick who he wants because it's hashtag cold-blooded player of the week, but we'll, we'll listen to the people. Yeah, I'll listen, but you know, at the end of the day, it's called the cold blood of the week for exactly. a reason. Yep, 100%. It's cold week, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Heat beat the Hawks last night, and today, a couple hours ago, as we're recording this, it's around 7 o'clock on the East Coast on Monday, March 1st. Lloyd Pierce was let go by the Hawks. This is just the, – the, the weird thing about this to me is, like – I don't know if Lloyd Pierce was ever going to be the right guy. There was some, I've watched a lot of their games this year. um, And something didn't seem right now. They've been ravaged with injuries Mm -hmm. and they haven't been at full strength, but it's a disturbing sort of trend for coaches. And I don't think it's anything new, but it happened with Ryan Saunders already in Minnesota. And now it happened with Lloyd Pierce where teams are hiring these younger coaches, giving them their first opportunity and saying, go lose for us for two or three years while we rebuild. And then you have these losing cultures that they're building to try to rebuild. And then finally, when they build the right roster, they don't give that coach the opportunity to coach the roster that they lost to be able to build. It just seems like Lloyd got Lloyd got that worse than anybody this year because they they've just – Bogdan Bogdanovich hasn't played since like the first week of the season. Gallinari looks like an old man because of his injuries, right? He can't move. DeAndre Hunter, I'd noted on here, they have not been the same team since he got hurt. He's their best defender. Uh, Rondo has barely played this year. They finally made all these moves in the offseason to get a team that hasn't been able to play, and the guy gets fired for starting 14 and 20. And his, his career record with the team is not good, but most of that time they were rebuilding. Yeah, when you when you're in a rebuilding phase, I mean you have to be patient. And I don't I don't know. I wasn't there on the day-to-day. Maybe they didn't like the direction in which it was going and they didn't like the philosophies, you know, the day-to-day things that were going on. I wasn't there, so I don't really know, but I believe you have to demonstrate more patience when especially when you're rebuilding in, yeah. in Atlanta. It's not like the major market where you're gonna get big free agencies or whatever. You you drafted Trey Young. You know, it's hard to build around small point guard in this league. If you just look at the history of the league, there's been a few franchises that the best player in the franchise and the championship franchise is a small guard. That just hasn't happened too often. So, you know, he's the franchise player. They had other young guys who are franchise caliber talent like Hunter and like Collins, but they haven't had a chance to be out there together. Like you said, they've been challenged with injuries. I would have liked for them to be a little bit more patient from the outside looking in. I believe that coaches need at least, you know, they need at least three or four seasons, man, to see the direction in which they're going. Unless the day-to-day operations, they just stop believing in, unless the management looked at it and said, I don't like how we're playing. I don't like your methodology and we're going to go in a different direction. If it's that way, cool. But if it's just a matter of just losing patience and giving up on it, I think you got to be a little bit more patient. Yeah. And, this is probably an unfair reasoning because of the circumstances, but last week 
so I saw the writing on the wall with this when they brought they brought in Nate McMillan this year as a their lead assistant. Nate McMillan never should have been fired from Indiana. Big facts. So they bring in Nate McMillan, who, by the way, there's reports out there that the Hawks want him to be the interim head coach, and he hasn't accepted yet because of how loyal he is to Lloyd Pierce. So, uh, but that's just called courtesy. He's just, yeah. I think, but here's what. Happened. Way, Sorry, say it again. I said the same way Ty Lue, you know, discussed it over with Doc before he accepted that job, just mm-hmm. as a coach. I'm in courtesy. I believe Nate McMillan do the same thing. But here's what happened last week. So th- this team's been playing bad. They really have. And we've talked about them not being healthy, but we've also talked about how earlier in the year there was stuff in the film session and guys having disagreements. And sometimes that's a product of culture too. Uh, But Lloyd Pierce missed three games for the birth of his second child. And during that time, Nate McMillan coached the team and they looked better than they've looked all year. And when I saw that happen, when he left, I didn't look. I'm not going to tell a guy not to go. Eh, it's your kid. You're going to nothing to discuss there. You gotta right. go. of, of course. But I was very concerned when it happened because they were on like a one in seven stretch. And then he left and left it in the reins of a very good coach. And then they won two of three. They beat Boston. They beat Denver. They look like a different team. And then since he came back, I think they're like one in four. And I was just like, oh, this is the right yeah. is on the wall. It's, right. Whether he deserves it or not, when as soon as he left and Nate McMillan took over and they won two hundred three, I was like, "Ugh, this is this. I don't see this ending well." Unfortunate. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But I, I'm glad. At least I'm glad he got the experience, though. He, I believe he can be a really good, you know, for sure head assistant, and I hope that he gets another chance at getting another head job. And he was also under the radar. What people don't see. He was very important. He was a very big part of the Atlanta community when he went down there and he moved there. And especially last year, he became a really big voice in that community when all, when everything was going on, when there was, sure. uh, I mean, I was, I remember watching like CNN and had them calling him when things were going on in Atlanta and talking to Lloyd Pierce, the head coach of the Hawks to, to understand I mean, more about what was going on. So he was a bit, he's, probably still is a big part of the community, but I think that goes under the radar. And I just, it sucks. Cause I, I met him when he was an assistant in Philly and he was just, it seemed like a really good dude. And he'd always been a, a highly touted assistant. So he's a very solid, you know, man, as an individual, yeah. not coaching as a man, as a human being, he's very, what we call very, very solid individual, very stand up guy stands on his principles and his morals. So no, he's going to be okay. I believe. Yeah, there's a lot, and there's a lot of people out there on Twitter saying, "How do, do Ryan Saunders and Lloyd Pierce not have jobs, but Luke Wil- Walton still has a job in Sacramento with all the stuff he's been going through?" And <laughs> they have been, they have been quite. I, I tell you what, it is. Luke Walton won't have a job after Wednesday. They're waiting till All Star. Yeah, that's what you think is going is going on. Oh, they they are. I mean, so. Maybe they just be impatient though. No, but he's been there and they were a borderline playoff team last year and they got way worse this year. And some of the way they're losing games, did you see they lost the other night to Charlotte? They were up seven with like a minute left. They, 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 they gave up like a seven or eight point lead to Charlotte within the last minute. Now nah, you probably, probably Luke that. looks probably... like a broken man too. You see him on the bench. He's breaking clipboards. I mean, he just, he looks, he looks, he looks, but anyway, you, know you know who I think would be good out there. 
Hmm. Well, they got they got your guy. They got one of your guys. I think Coach Fizz would be a great fit for that young team out there. I meant to ask you, you played for Alvin Gentry, right? Yeah, I did. He's I their, enjoyed he, He's I enjoyed their associate it. head coach. Yeah, I actually I mean, said before the season. That's because he was there with him in Golden State. Right. You know, but I, I, I believe that Fizz would be a great coach for that team. Yeah. Well, I, see. Really, I really do. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's end on a, a little bit of a lighter note. And I say lighter note because of the absurdity of this. And I'm not sure if you saw this, um, but Heat Nation in particular, but a lot of people, there was a lot of outrage yesterday because there's this right. There's this radio host up in New York. He's a radio host for CBS Sports Radio named Brandon Tierney. Okay. And he sent out a tweet. Now, now, mind you, this is a guy with a blue check mark with a lot of followers who is in the big in the New York market. And he essentially sent out a tweet saying, legit question. At the peak of his career was or at the apex of his career was Chris Bosh. And you'll probably get offended by this question. Was Chris Bosh ever as good as peak Julius Randall? Answer. No. <laughs> you just laugh. You just, you don't even respond to stuff like that. You just laugh at, you know, because it's not serious. Any, any true basketball, any true basketball watcher, fan, anything knows the answer to that. I mean, Julius Randle is not even in his prime, I don't think, yet. If he is, he's just now getting to it. How many years has he been in the league? Probably five probably it's like probably his fifth or sixth. By this time, you know, Chris Bosnelli, he's already on team USA, you know, five time all-star. All I mean, you don't even you just don't you, you just don't you just don't respond to stuff like that. I mean, peak peak Chris Bosch, I mean first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's let's be serious. Let's you know, let's let's get these young guys. That's what's going, that's what's wrong with what's going on right now. Anytime a young guy has success, we automatically overblow him up and dis, and and put him over, put him on a pedestal over the legends, like the legends that have put in work for decades of decades upon decades, and we automatically put a young guy who's show he has some great potential, great promise, and we just automatically call him great. I mean, we need to stop doing that, man. Show some respect to the show some respect to the dudes that did it for 10, 12, 15 years, like. What are you talking about? Like, a guy has, man, come on. Like, you don't want to, you don't want to badmouth the young guys. You know, you never want to do that. But like, but don't put them on too high of a pedestal over these guys who retire, who didn't put in work in this game. Look, the like, Knicks, the Knicks have been bad for so long. I think these Knicks fans, if they make the playoffs, they're ready to to put Julius Randle as one of the greatest Knicks of all time. Man, listen, I'm, I, he, he is playing great. And I hope he continues to play great in his young career. But let the man have a career first before we start crowning people. You know, let let him let him let him let him have let him. He's an all star this year, which is great. Let him lead a playoff run, several. Because to be on Chris Bosh level, you got to have several runs and championships and several all stars and gold medals and stuff like that. Man, you got to let these guys have a career first before we start crowning them too soon. Because when you crown them too soon, then you got to show why 
they're not on the legends level. And you don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to sit here and break down Randall's game, nitpick it. But if you compare him to Chris Bosch, there's no, there's no comparison. Right. You know, you know, and there's no disrespect because, you know, like I said, he's a great young player, talented young player for this, for this, you know, generation of NBA. But come on, man. Come on, man. Don't be yeah. dis- disrespectful to CB1 like that. Yeah, and I, I, I like this. This is fired up Norris. I think this is the yeah. first. This is the first. Takes, uh, this is the first time I've. I think this is the first question I've asked you on this show that you that I got you fired up a little bit. Yeah, man, I don't get fired up too often, but man, when when I hear when I hear utterly preposterous statements like that, that's utterly. That's what what Stephen A. Smith say. That's blasphemous. Blasphemous. Ass- it's all of the above, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, listen, you you are you are saying all the same thing. Heat Twitter yesterday. Oh my God. Some of these other heat podcasts that are out there, they were losing their minds. They were absolutely losing their minds. You know what they should have had? It just should have been a whole hashtag LOL at that clown. Clown face. Well, you know what? LOL clown face. I've been seeing now the thing I've been seeing from a lot of heat like Twitter accounts is them saying, like going like uh like at the peak, at the apex of his career, was Patrick Ewing ever as good as peak Jarvis Bernardo? And they're yeah. like, like they're saying stuff like that to to like to like go back at him. I mean, because that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, because it's Jarvis not- has a title, <laughs> and Patrick Ewing doesn't. I'm just saying it's just crazy because Chris Bosh is is a Hall of Fame career. It's not like, even a question. Like 20, he was averaging before he came to the heat. What he was doing in Toronto, man, he was a walking 23 and 12. He was, was wasn't, I mean, he was basically, if he never came to the heat, it was getting ready to be, he was going to be then like take over as the best power forward in the NBA after Tim Duncan left, basically. Like he was on that. He was the next wave after Tim Duncan, Dirk Garnett, as they was phasing out, Mm -hmm. you know, he, you know, Amari and them was all, you know, Amari was injured and hurt. Like, CB was was right. It was the next wave. Anytime you you played on Team USA, man. You played on the redeemed team. Yeah. That's all you got to say. He also played with the best player to ever play basketball and arguably, what, top 10 D-Wade player? I mean, like. Hold on, hold on. What you say? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I know you're going to. Uh, say that one He played with who? The best player to ever play basketball. Not he the most. With- not People not hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not the most, not the correct. That's the no, no, I didn't, I didn't say the most successful player to ever play basketball. I know what you said, and we're gonna have to check that right now. He did not play with Michael Jordan, so we I can't believe you played with LeBron and you're not, you, you, you don't come on, man. Oh, you talk, but listen, listen, listen. Okay, you're talking about LeBron, okay. I can understand that, but MJ is the GOAT to me. LeBron is next. LeBron is next. LeBron is next to me. He's our GOAT for our generation, for this generation. But there will be no Michael Jordan slander. I'm not. Hold on. When you say that. Hold on. See, this is where people. You said that too smooth for me to just let that flower. I'm like, what? Hold on. There's there's. But that's where people get people get too. They say they call it slander to say someone's the best, second best ever at something. That's not you slander. Said that he played with the best player ever. 
Right. I know. So you're saying that I'm slandering MJ by saying LeBron's the best ever. Eventually there's always a best ever. And then someone else comes along and they become the best ever. Like it just I, happened. I, I just don't like how, how you, you just said that way too smoothly for me. You could have mm-hmm. said arguably one of the best ever. That would have well, been better. But my opinion is not that he's arguably yeah, I, my, I, you know, I understand that. And you said D-Wade right after you said that, too. And I was like, wait. No, no, I was trying to figure out. I've always tried to figure out where D-Wade falls. Like, top tw- top 15, top 20, all time. Like, he's... This is how you just keep it simple with D-Wade. The best player ever in the Heat uniform. You just keep That's it fair. plain and simple. Yeah. yeah. This, when you say Wade County, you ain't got to say nothing else. Everybody know he got a whole... When you go to Florida, when you go to South Florida, you know whose territory that is. And but that my I guess my point to all of that before before I I slandered MJ. Listen, I worked for MJ oh. for five years. Okay, I have a little bit of a different relationship to the man than most people do. So maybe that impacts my thought process too. But gotta watch you, man. Gotta watch. You. <laughs> Listen, you didn't you didn't play for him. You probably have a different perspective. Listen, you probably know a bunch of people who played in that organization they probably feel a little differently about the man too. But anyways, um, I know, I know, I know, I know. But uh, my point was that Chris Bosh probably still was the best power forward in the NBA. Even when he was on the heat, people just knocked him because statistically he wasn't doing what he was doing in Toronto. Right. He sacrificed a lot. But he was still probably skill-wise. We don't win those those chips without CB1. Absolutely. No we don't win those chips off DB1. Like, obviously, LeBron is the man. Obviously, the best. The, the best. Yeah, for sure. For sure. LeBron was the, was the best, for sure. No, no. It, like, the best ever. Best ever. Like I said, LeBron. <laughs> LeBron was the man. The MVP. Best player in our game. D-Wade is Wade County. But we don't win those championships without CB1, man. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't. I got to talk to you, man. man I got to talk to you about this. I can't. I can't have an opinion. Got to have. Look, man. Look. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Hey, look. Ah. Look. Hey, it's not a popular opinion. It's not. I understand it. And if the question is. Why can't let him finish his career before we start saying stuff like that? I mean, he's already played two careers. I mean, it's like, uh, yes, there's no question. And I understand to be in the success level of MJ, he, ha- he would have to win more titles. But no matter what, here's the thing. For the people, and, I, and look, you could go back and forth on it forever. But for the people who insist that there's no way that LeBron is better than MJ, they'll never say he's better than MJ. Because even if LeBron wins six titles, they're always going to say MJ was six for six and LeBron lost six times. So but it's not the, just the titles. It's not just the titles. It's the whole, like LeBron's career. He's had a long, long career. And so he's had peaks and he's had failures and things of that nature and all that. Has he had and, failures? And his failures are, I guess, in most people's mind, of course, come on, come on. Everybody has failures in their career. He went to, but, went to the championship 10 years in a row. Yeah, he did. I mean, <laughs> he, he's the second best player, in my opinion, ever. But the Dallas series counts. That happened. I, I not, understand that. I understand that. That happened. We're not going to just say no excuses. It happened. Jordan never had a moment like that. 
in the finals. That just that's just we because you have to nitpick greatness, and I hate to do it because, like I said to me, he's the second best player ever in my book behind MJ. But you have to start nitpicking moments like that. You know, those losses. It's a team game. Obviously, you can't just blame him. But there were situations in those moments where it could have made a play. To the the difference could have been in some of those games, and so that's where. The, I'm not one of those people that's going to just – I'm not going to slander neither one. The, the Jordan, A lot of Jordan fans sl- slander LeBron. Oh, yeah. A lot of LeBron slander MJ. I'm not going to slander either one. I'm just going to use logic. I watched – I played with – I played and watched LeBron and played against him. I played and studied MJ to the T, like to the T, and watched his games over and over and film and all of that. And so his peaks – are higher than LeBron's peaks and his failures are not as glowing, I guess I would say. Well, MJ know? never failed. Well, but no, it's not say that because he because he, he lost in the play, first, yeah. Playoffs a lot of times on some team, but I mean obviously those teams are legendary teams in the Eastern Conference he was going against as well. But in the conference got, but here's what I and, and just to just to to for in terms of the successes being higher or lower, LeBron James had the greatest finals performance in the history of the finals against a team that had the best record in the history of the NBA on a, on a roster that didn't have another hall of famer on it, which is rare to win a championship with only one hall of famer. Now you can say what you want about Kyrie. Maybe he gets to that point, but he's not a hall of famer right now. It's rare that it, wasn't a Hall of Famer back then either. And in the first three P, the first three P, people didn't look at Scotty the same way they did as they looked but at Scotty. But he is, but he's a, but he's a, he was voted a top 50 player to ever play the game. At Kyrie's never going to be that guy. Yeah. I mean, that was all after the fact. Well, of course, it's after the, the fact. But during, during the, during the first championship run. Yeah. But Scotty also, but also the year after MJ retired, Scotty was second in the league in MVP voting. He took them to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, I mean, that's very, very, very true. But the Eastern Conference Finals is um, not the same as winning the championship. Right. And Kyrie has not done anything on his own. That's very I mean, Kyrie. I'm just saying, I think LeBron has done more with worse rosters than MJ ever did. Like, I think when by the time they went to they were going to the finals, he had Scottie Pippen. He had Horace Grant, who was an underrated player. I mean, he had good. He had he had decent players around him. LeBron took one of the worst rosters ever to the finals. That Cavs team, that first team he took to the finals. This is after the fact. During the time when it was happening, nobody was looking at Scottie Pippen as a top fifth, top top style player in 1988 and all that. You, did you no, I'm not talking about 88. I'm talking about when they went to the finals. I'm, it's all leading up to the finals. They had, to, they had to lead up to the finals to get there. They didn't just walk into the finals. They had to develop and develop to get there. And Jordan, Jordan carried a lot of weight, bro. You don't think? Hold on, I saw your face when when I said that LeBron had the best Finals performance ever. You don't agree with that? Yeah, one of them. I mean, did you see Jordan Finals performance where he? Uh, yeah, but LeBron, LeBron, yeah, but LeBron against a team that went seventy three and nine, led both teams in points, rebounds, assists, Everything. steals, and blocks. And he's done that multiple times. By the way, I know that's. Crazy. That's 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 bananas. I listen. And came back from three one in that series. That's, that's 
that, that's very bananas that he did that. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not taking away from him, but I'm just saying it's some stuff MJ has done that you lose sight of. That's I don't lose that. I, I, I'm also, I just think, I just think, and I watched both of them a ton too. Like growing up, I watched MJ and studied MJ because I ended up working in the NBA and MJ was the guy who got me into loving basketball. I just think LeBron is the better basketball player. Like in terms of just who's a better basketball, not who's more successful. And it's, it's, you're probably nitpicking either way. And I think you could say that both guys have things about them that are better than the other. But I think if, I, I don't know, I think if you put MJ in this era, he'd still be dominant. But I think if you put LeBron in that era, it wouldn't even, it would be absurd. I think if you put MJ in this era, he would be the best player in this era. If you put LeBron in that era, I think MJ would still be the best player. LeBron would be the second best player. I think it would be, I mean, that's, see, it's, it's impossible to know, but it would be fun to watch. James Harden averaged 35 points a game in his NBA. MJ averaged 30 for his career. I believe that with more possessions and with this NBA, MJ could have seasons where he averaged like multiple seasons averaging 35 to 37 to 40 points a game. It would be interesting. I think it would. For sure. It, 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 I mean, no the, it's, there's no contact, but also, I mean, obviously he would have had to develop his game a little bit like his, his range. Why? Why do he have to do that? Because defense has become a little more sophisticated. Like they've sort of eliminated that mid range a little bit. They know they, they didn't, they didn't eliminate it. KD still shoot it. LeBron still shoot it. Kobe still well, LeBron, shot it. I mean, well, the Kobe, the, the, the league has changed score. even since Kobe was in the league, but, but any elite score, the best scores of all time are not great. Three point shooters. As great a score as Steph Curry is, he will not be on the all time scoring this. He will not be in the top five, top five all-time scoring as he won't. Where is he now? He's probably pretty high. No, he's not. No, he's not. Not, not like top five, but he's probably he's probably g- getting close. All the top scores are mid-range scores. Great guys who get fouled a lot, shoot a lot of free throws, and score in the post. I will tell you one thing that I also keep that I that I put into this, that I always put into it because I think it gets underrated in sports. Longevity. Longevity counts. And that's because the one thing that's the one thing LeBron does have going for him. You cannot penalize him for playing longer. Right. And um, a lot of people try to do that. And I don't like that. He, I mean, this guy, he's playing just as good now in his 17th year as he was playing in his absolute what's supposed to be his athletic prime. I think that counts for something. Because Mike, uh, uh, no matter what Mike was, that was just never gonna <laughs> that was just never gonna happen the way he kind of that's it was just never gonna hit for him i guess well, he could, I, maybe could have but i don't know do about know, 20 years you do know mike did win mvp though in his mid-30s and right, but he also league. got in the league a lot i mean he got in the league later so hey he won mvp and led the league in scoring in his mid-30s i'm looking at the list right now i'm trying to find where steph is even on the list Man, listen, in the top 10, it's only one guy in there that's... Uh, Steph's 87th right now all time. Long way to go, bro. There's a lot of guys in the NBA that are are ahead of him. Like, yeah. Russell Westbrook's 38th. Bro, I'm telling you, the best scores of all time are not three-point shooters. Dirk Nowinski is one of the only ones, and he even he's a mid-range shooter, too, who can shoot the three. KD. 
you got to be a mid-range assassin. KD's a mid-range assassin. KD's just an assassin from anywhere. Yeah, but the majority of his shots are not from three. Harden? 35? He's number 35? Harden gets to that lane, too. A lot of free throws. A lot of free throws. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, Man. I'm just looking at the active guys. Like, LaMarcus Aldridge is 47th. Carmelo Anthony. Melo's 12th. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You got to, if you don't have a mid range jumper or you don't get fouled a lot, it don't matter how good your three point shot is. You're not going to be on the all time scoring list. You know, who's you third, though. Ball. You know, who's third. Yeah, LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm just saying. Just, just throwing that out there. Yeah. You know who's fifth? Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the list. <laughs> and, and retired three times and he's still fifth. Yeah, well, I mean, look, are we gonna, are, are you going to really try to bring in the Wizards years into this? It counted. You know, you know, it counted. His career yeah. average 30. Even with the Wizards year, his career average is 30. I know. LeBron never lost in the first round. That's that's a fact. That's a fact. There's, see, I, it's like every, there's, there's both sides. You can look at both sides. I'm just going to say this. It's a lot of superstars that didn't win on Jordan's watch. That's true. A lot, a lot of top 50 players didn't get one on his watch. That's true. That's well, I guess. We'll, I mean, I guess. Well, what do you consider on his watch? Because like in the in the like early 90s, he was still dominant offensively scoring the ball and defensively, but they still lost. Ooh, in the early 90s? No, in the, yeah. 90s, in the early 90s, they won three in a row. No, I'm talking about like eight, like nine, like when the Pistons won two hundred. I mean, he was still averaging thirty. He was still an All NBA player. Man, once the '90s hit, he won everything. Right, I know, but what's Jordan? So, so his watch didn't start till he was six years into the league. No, once he began winning, because those guys was no longer in the league anymore. Isaiah and them guys. Once he beat them, it was over for them. They never got. No, 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 I understand that. I'm just saying, like. What's but like okay, so when's LeBron? So when did LeBron's watch start and when did MJ's watch like did LeBron's watch start his second year in the league and MJ's watch started six years into the league? Because MJ did lose in the playoffs, he did lose in the playoffs, and he was but he was still averaging 30. We need to go down the list of guys who didn't win and where they rank on the all time list. But there were there were guys who won when MJ was averaging 30, it was just earlier in his career. Most of those guys all time, like Larry Bird is a like top five top 10 player all time. Magic is the same. Isaiah Thomas is like the top point guard other than Magic to ever play the game. Like you naming the creme de like, you know, like. Yeah, but so, so, who did LeBron lose to? One of the top centers ever to play, he never sniffed. People people don't even know how great he was because he don't got a chip. Yeah, but I mean. When... Carl Malone was the top power forward of all times if he wins a chip. But he couldn't. He, but because he didn't win one, we consider Tim Duncan the top power forward of all. But time. don't you think? Don't you think the teams outside of the Dallas series, which will always be, the you know, and and we can't like we can't just discredit Dirk, right? But, um, but don't you think that San Antonio and Golden State were two of the greatest franchises or runs, team runs that we've ever seen? And not to mention they were all full of first ballot Hall of Famers. The teams that he yeah. lost, those are the teams that he lost. I mean, he lost to the Warriors, yeah. and he lost to San Antonio, other other yeah, but, than the Dallas but, one. But we we're not gonna sit here and make excuses like uh, like he, there were chances to win some of those games. 
Sure. No, I understand a, that. No, he had a tough run, but it, it's not like he was just totally, totally outmatched. The only time he was totally, totally outmatched, I would say, and even that's still not a, you know, still not an excuse, but like that first one, that first one against San Antonio. With, with, on, with the Cavs. That was rough. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think their second best player was Mo Williams. Not to, nothing very, against Mo, nothing against yeah, Mo, but that was very rough. But that lets you also lets you know the state of the Eastern Conference back then. But that was very rough. And then the uh, the KD Warriors, that was crazy. Like, what are you gonna do? That was, cr- but the Kyrie play. Mm. The Kyrie play, yes or no? What did he play in the versus the KD Warriors? The Kyrie Irving play. Yeah. The Kevin Love play. Well, the first the so the first year when they lost four two, neither of them played. They're both hurt. No. And he still he still carried them to two wins. Yeah, but they could have and they actually could have won more if you yeah. go back and watch. So we're not gonna use that one. Okay. I'm talking about against the KD Warriors. Did Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving play? Yeah. Were they all stars? Yeah, but they're not Hall of Famers. Uh, are they all stars? Okay, so I'm, all I'm saying is we can't make excuses for what happened. Obviously, he went against some tough teams, very, very tough teams. But the same thing can be said about MJ when he was going against them legendary Celtics teams. Yeah, that's not I, right. I know, but I think what I think sometimes we get caught. I think sometimes in this debate, which again, yeah. it's like one A, one B, but but. We do, I think, sometimes the people who support MJ tend right. to use LeBron's losses as if MJ never lost. And MJ did lose. Yeah, for sure he lost. So I, I, I just, it's that's the six and zero in the finals is unbelievable. That's I'm about to say, but we're not going to just sit here and discount the six and zero though. No, no, that's, we're not. We're not discounting that. We're not discounting that. But I think to be fair in an assessment of their careers. If you're assessing LeBron James losing in the finals, you also have to assess Michael Jordan early in his career losing earlier in the playoffs, even if it was against other Hall of Famers, because every team that LeBron played in the finals had Hall of Famers. But Jordan is not the best just because he's 6-0. His individual play and dominance is more dominant. The 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 man got six scoring titles, defensive player of the year, we don't know how many countless first team all pro, all defensive but, team. But this he is one every individual award. All the records that LeBron has gotten for longevity, Jordan set the precedence for. So but also I would I would pose this to you. And this is why when we talk about individual achievements, it's hard to compare their careers because if MJ played in this era, I don't think he would have won as many MVPs. I think people would have got sick. I think there would have been the same way, the same way voters, LeBron James could be MVP almost every season. The voters, the media, they've had, they feel a certain way about him. People didn't like the way he handled the decision. His he's been very polarizing. Whereas in the nineties, in the nineties, before things started coming out a little, people started questioning things about MJ with the, with certain things. MJ was just sort of untouchable. And I'm not saying he didn't deserve to win. I'm just saying I, I think LeBron could have more, just as many individual achievements. I think I think there is voter bias because the media is the one who votes for it. There and that's, is, and that's hard to dis, 
hard to really get into that because it's not, there's no way to prove it, but I do think there's been LeBron fatigue in the NBA for a long time. And I actually think, but now Jordan should have won the year. Charles Barkley won MVP. Jordan could have won MVP. The year Carl Malone won MVP. Jordan should have won that MVP as well. Right. That's why I'm saying, but that's what I'm saying. Like comparing the, but that's what I'm saying. Comparing the individual awards is tough because I think you could make the argument that LeBron probably should have seven or eight MVPs. To me, to me, he should definitely easily like no bias because he was my teammate. But to me, he should easily right now be sitting on at least six MVPs, bro. Exactly. Six. That's why I'm saying that's my only reason why I'm saying the individual achievement thing is tough because I do think LeBron, because of moving, moving teams constantly. But he won five years. That's pretty good. Yeah. It is. That's pretty good. He won four and the one year he didn't win it. You know, they gave it to Derrick Rose, which Derrick Rose had a very special season. But LeBron, you know, could have won it that year as well. It could have been. Are you willing to say that Michael Jordan is one A and LeBron is one B, or is it definitely no. MJ's one and LeBron's two? MJ's one, LeBron's two for me. Interesting. I always it. I'm I, willing to say Kareem. That Kareem in there is in there somewhere too. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, gotta be, gotta go do your homework. No, I know, I know, I know Kareem's career, but now we're talking. Now we're really talking a different era. Like now we're really talking, and it did not take away from his achievements, but yeah, not. But I, I, I don't know that Kareem. Like I agree with you that MJ would probably be dominant in this era. I don't know that Kareem would be dominant in this era. No centers are really dominant in this era. You see, you heard Joel Embiid. He's is he dominant? He's not winning anything. Do you look at his numbers? What does that mean? Kareem, that's Kareem, hold on. Kareem is. If that's the matter, we wouldn't take him. Yeah, but Kareem was a winner. Kareem won. He went to Kareem, championships. Kareem's numbers were dominant as well. He didn't I just win. No, no, I know that. I know that. But he also yeah. won. Like jo- Joel Embiid's not dominant in this era because centers don't dominate in this era. He's dominant why? statistically. That's not, that's not why. That's not why. That's not why he's not winning. He's not winning because they, they team ain't been good enough to win. You give uh, him a good, give him a good enough guard. They, they can win a championship. They were, a, they were a Kawhi shot away from going to the Eastern conference finals. That's still a long way from winning the championship though. I, I know that. I, I, I don't know. I understand what Kareem did. I now he's, he's, He's three, obviously. I mean, prop, but yeah, yeah, you can't put him ahead of. You can't put him ahead of LeBron. You just, I, it's just. It's, I would. You can't put him ahead of if you. You can. I wouldn't, but you most certainly. He definitely has an argument. I don't know. I just. It's played. It's. I. I I'm not trying to like get into that era, the whole era thing, but I yeah, do think yeah. there's a certain you go back a certain point and it's just like they're playing a different game. But still though, I don't understand why people think that you have to shoot threes or have to be a shooter in this era to survive. But it's not even can- just that it's, it's, it was just a different league. Like there wasn't at the, the, the players weren't as athletic players weren't as advanced. It's just, and it's not that he couldn't have done it if he came along in a different era, but he didn't, he played in that era, you know, it's so getting stats in a certain era, that's just a different, game to me it's hard to say like that's I, like to me like 
the best era of the game is always the current era because it's just a different, I, I obviously there's more, maybe more entertaining or you grew up with this way or you grew up with that way. But the best era of, of basketball is now because it's the most advanced guys are the most athletic guys are the most skilled. They study the game. They have the most at their disposal. Only, only for the, that's only, that's only the case for the average players, for the superstar players that, that trend, they transcend errors. Hmm. Kareem transcends errors. You know why? Because he has a shot that to this day nobody can guard. And that's going to always be. And in any era, when you throw him the ball, it's two points. Let me tell you, um, let me ask you this. Do you know this about Kareem? Kareem played 20 years. He was an all-star for 19 of them. Do you know why he didn't make the all-star team? One year. What? Probably because he was hurt. No, because the first game of the season, he punched a guy in the face and got suspended. That did happen. That that was the same season. Yeah, he only played. He 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 missed like the first twenty games or something. Yeah, I remember when he punched that dude. People don't know he was like a black belt though. And like, uh, the videos on YouTube. Yeah, he's it's he's amazing. Like, the dude like hit him in the, the dude like hit him in the gut or something, and then he just came back and wow, wow. Yeah, I remember that. I re- I do remember that. And I'll tell you what. One thing is definite. Dudes in a lot of dudes in this era couldn't have played because of that because they would have got beat up. Well, guys a lot like of, Kareem. A lot of the showboating that goes on now would never go on. Right. Because, you know, you're going to get man checked. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nah, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those dudes that say like the old school players are always better than the new school players. I, I don't like when the old school guys do that, but I also don't like when the new school guys disrespect the great old school players because they were some great athletes too back then. Maybe not on average, but like the superstar players. Like Dr. J is athletic for any year. Yeah, but I, well, yeah, but I, I, I'm not this. I but I don't find. I think there's a misunderstanding with a lot of people when you don't when you say like LeBron's better than Kareem or Kareem maybe wouldn't have been like that's not disrespecting Kareem. Saying again, saying somebody's the third best player to ever no, play no, no. a sport. When you said when you said that he couldn't, maybe he couldn't play in this era. And I'm. Just I think saying, you. I, I I didn't say he couldn't play. I said I don't know that he'd be as dominant. And that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't, I don't know that when you are unguardable. I don't know if it's disrespectful. If I just, it's, it's just, I don't know if you would be as dominant. If Joel Embiid can average 28 and 14, just imagine what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar can do. That's all I'm well, saying. But I also think if Joel Embiid played in the era that Joel, that Kareem played in, he would have averaged 34 and 17 the way Kareem did. No chance. I'm not, no. So you think Joel Embiid could be the all-time leading scorer in basketball like Kareem? Abdul-Jabbar? Maybe if he played in that era. It's different. Stop it. Stop it. Don't be disrespectful to Kareem like that. Stop it. He don't I'm have not a trying to, I'm just trying. He I'm not. He doesn't Joel have what? Embiid, Joel Embiid doesn't have an unguardable shot like Kareem. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm not saying he could. I'm not saying he would, but I do think that if you put. And he has to be healthy enough to. Kareem, well, that's different. That's a different yeah, yeah, story. So that we can't. We don't do that. Don't disrespect the captain like that, brother. Yeah, but what, okay. Don't you think. And not even let's take Joel and beat out of it. Don't you think that if like, for example, I'm looking at Kareem's I'm on his basketball reference. He averaged 35 and 17 and 71, 72. Don't you think Shaq would have done that in 71, 72? Shaq is also one of the ghosts. Yes, right, I know. I'm just saying, I, I just think for sure. guys I, become dominating this today's game too. I think Shaq will dominate today's game. You talking about players that era they're in. Shaq is going to dominate in any era. Yeah. MJ, these dudes are going to dominate. LeBron, he'll also dominate in any era. 
But I, I'm not saying that Joel Embiid would win championships, but I think if you dropped him into the NBA in 1971-72, he could average 35 and 17. You <laughs> <laughs> probably could. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's going to be the great, greatest player to ever play, but I'm tell you what, he's going to win, make a lot of all-star teams and a lot of all-NBAs. Uh, you think, he, well, he would have to go through Kareem in order to do that, though. That's just one guy. Hey, that's one heck of a guy. You hear me? No, I understand that. I yeah, understand that. I understand that. But they might be. But in that era, in 71, 72, you might see Joel and beating Kareem in the, in the finals every year. Yeah, that's very true. Actually, no, Kareem was in, was in Milwaukee at that time. But once Kareem went to the Lakers, you might see Joel and beating Kareem. You might see, you would probably see Joel and beating Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the Eastern Conference finals every year. If he could stay healthy, because you know, well, get, yeah, you know, yeah, stay. But now, I wouldn't say that about every big man right now. Yeah, you can't. Because I, I would only really say that about Embiid because I think right now he's the only one with the all around, like the complete, like package post game. He's got a little bit of everything, but he could be. He's the he's most a, dominant offensive big man since Shaq to me in terms of low post presence. He just doesn't play that way. Well, that's because all the time. That's because he's a true big man. He's a true seven footer that can hold close to 300 pounds. Like he's a true big man. He's not mm. a four. He's a real center. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, man, I got to let you get some sleep. You got a game tomorrow and we haven't even talked about the heat in about 30 minutes. And I know heat nation. I'm sure they like the conversation. I got Norris fired up twice on this podcast, but I like yeah. it. It's good. It's a good conversation. I'm sure you, I'm sure everyone listening it doesn't matter what team you're talking about, what your podcast is. If you start talking about LeBron and MJ, people are, people are in. They're hooked. Sure. So, just, uh, to clear the, just to clear the record, you were not slandering MJ. And, of course, I would never slander my teammate who helped me. Get yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Ever, ever do that. There's no – again, I will never – it's never slander to say one guy is the second best player or the, or the third best player ever to do this one thing on the planet. Like this one thing, you're the second best to ever do it. For sure. You know? So to me, it's a conversation about the two greatest to ever do something. It's unbelievable. But let me tell you, let me ask you this. Just, this, this to end the argument on that. Okay. When somebody is you're the Michael Jordan of football or you're the Michael Jordan of tennis, or you know Michael Jordan of this and that. What do they mean? Well, they mean you're the best. Okay, okay, that's all. That's all I want to know. Well, but yeah, I mean, obviously, but that would be like podcast, Heat Nation, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a great <laughs> podcast. We're gonna end on that note. <laughs> that is a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's gonna be that way until the end of time. So, <laughs> I would love to see. I would love to see Michael Jordan in the social media era. That's all I'm gonna say. I'd love would, to see his reputation be, playing in this very, era. That would be very interesting because LeBron does a great job of keeping his image and very clean. I would also love to know would when MJ if if MJ played in this era after he retired the first time and he came back, would he go play for a different team? Free agency is different, you know. Like everything's different now. Would that change people's perception? That's why it's hard to compare eras too. I mean, Tim Duncan did it. Dirk Nowitzki yeah, did it. I'm, 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 did it. Yeah, I'm not saying it can't be Steph done. Steph is going to do it. I'm, not saying, yeah. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just, would he? That's the question. He retired. You know, he could have yeah, came did. back and come to another. Man, they would pay, man, they'd pay that man. They'd pay that man 
more than what they're supposed to pay him to make sure he didn't leave Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, Heat Nation, we'll be back. We'll be back next week. We'll be we'll be back next week after the All Star game. Actually, I don't know what day next week. I don't know when the Heat are back after the All Star break, but we'll, we'll we'll find some stuff to talk about. Until then, Norris, what do you got? Are you taking us out? Heat Nation, we're out of here. See you next week. <laughs>